How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my city and wide. Yeah, let me take my time. I'm on my grind. Gotta make sure that we shine. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours. HR to the death and first always my team for sure. Go roll. Can't fall off. Got a family support. Gotta make sure we succeed and reach our dream. Now live through me. I'm about to take off. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Knicks podcast. This is episode 80. I am your host, Jared Dubin. Today I talked to Danny LaRue, who is the host of Locked On Warriors, as well as the Real GM radio podcast and the co-host of Dunked On Basketball, along with Nate Duncan. We talked about last night's Knicks-Warriors game. Obviously that game was a little bit different than we might have expected going in because both Derrick Rose and Carmelo Anthony did not play. Uh, We talked about the Warriors' ridiculous passing display last night, as well as the fact that some of those assists were were quite generous, especially in the first half, as uh, they assisted on, I believe, all 26 of their baskets in the first half, and I think it was their first 36 baskets uh, overall. Um, as you'll notice, this podcast did not go up late last night. That's because Danny did not get back from the game until around 2.30 Eastern time, and uh, I was already asleep by then. So we just recorded today instead. Uh, that means that next week I'm actually going to bring you six podcasts. Not sure yet what day will be the bonus podcast, but uh, I'm looking for uh, a deep dive topic. If you have any ideas, feel free to shoot those to me on Twitter at jadubin5 or at lockdownnicks. You can also send an email to lockdownnicks at gmail.com or to my personal email, which is uh, in the bio of jadubin5. So in addition to the typical uh, Monday to Fridays next week, I'm going to try to give you one to make up for the fact that we didn't get the uh, the two podcasts today that we were supposed to do because Danny got home so late. Um, before I get you to that podcast with Danny, I want to make sure to uh, let you know to check out Locked On NBA, hosted by David Locke, who is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, as well as Locked On Fantasy Basketball, hosted by Josh Lloyd, for all your fantasy basketball needs. Subscribe to those podcasts on iTunes. Leave a review and a rating. Do the same for Locked On Giants, hosted by Art Stapleton of The Record, and Locked On Jets, hosted by John Butchko of Gangrene Nation. Do the same for Locked On Knicks as well again iTunes review rating. You can find the podcast on Audio Boom and or Stitcher as well. And now let's get you to my conversation with Danny LaRue. And again, if you've got a good idea for me to do a deep dive on next week, feel free to reach out via Twitter or email, and I'll try to get that to you at some point during the week. Enjoy. So what do we take away from a game like that where the Knicks played? I don't know. Some of their guys played well, but without Rose and Melo, it was a very different contest. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what we could take away from the Knicks side because it's it's unlikely that they're ever going to play really in that kind of situation again where they're, they're, they're tested so much by a team with that much talent, mostly because there is no other team with that much talent, and also because they were playing without you know the two guys that are probably the biggest parts of their offense, much as uh, people would like Kristaps Porzingis to be the biggest part of it. Um, for the Warriors, it's... It's just another ridiculous display, right? I mean, it got a little absurd with them refusing to take shots that weren't assisted at certain points in the game. But other than that, I mean, it was kind of their usual thing. I'm not entirely sure whether that whole thing was explicitly planned or whether it was just kind of the way things went and they just rolled with it. But was it talked about, because I was there, was it talked about on the broadcast, like, this is really weird that their first, well, it ended up being all the way to 36 baskets were all assisted? Yes, they mentioned it several times. They called out the the several um, questionable, I guess we'll say, assist calls that happened uh, in the first nice half. Nice to be a little bit charitable. Yeah, it was like uh, Rajon Rondo-level uh, assist scoring in Boston. Um, but, I mean... They, they obviously were moving the ball incredibly well, even for how well they normally move the ball. Like, it was ridiculous the way they were pinging it around the court. Um, but uh, early in the second half, I think it was especially noticeable that they were basically refusing to shoot if it wasn't going to be an assisted basket. And, and I agree with you. I don't think it was necessarily something they planned. But once it started happening... Nobody wanted to be the guy to break it. And I think Steph passed up like two different layups in the middle of the paint that he tried to dump off instead because he had like beaten a closeout and driven into the paint uh, and was like, oh, I'm going to try to dump it off to Draymond or I'm going to throw it up to McGee. Um, And that did not work both times. And I was like, come on. It was strange to see a team that is historically great offensively kind of go for attack, whether whether direct or just kind of the way they were doing it, that actually hurt their offensive rating and just like kind yep. of hurt them in that way statistically. But at the same point, it's an 82-game season. The Knicks weren't playing two of their best players. I understand, if even if it was planned, that they just wanted to do something to make it interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, I, w- I wonder how many times one team has had more assists than the other team had baskets, because that, that happened last night, too. They had 41 assists on their 45 baskets. The Knicks only had 38 baskets. It it happens more than we think, and I'm guessing the reason it happens more is because of free throws. You know, like there there are games where one team just gets fouled a lot and then also loses. This was the 11th time it's happened this season. But this one was, was a little different. I spent a, it was hard because with basketball reference that part of it was easy but I was trying to look up the closest team like the basically the best assist ratio ever in a game that right. was a little bit harder to find Ben Golliver found it it was I believe it was 38 of 39 which the Warriors ended up not touching because they got there and one of the ways that you can appreciate kind of how many NBA games there are is how the Warriors didn't get they got close-ish to that record but like the assist record is 52 in a regulation game, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, I think uh, probably if they had played a closer game with more possessions, they may have had an outside shot. But this was um, 
for them, I think a couple possessions slow in terms of you know their typical pace. I think it was only a 99 possessions, maybe, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, That's about right. Yeah, if, uh, if they got a few possessions higher and if the game was close, you know, they had at the, at the end, um, they obviously did not score very well throughout the fourth quarter when they had, um, you know, most of the end of the bench out there and um, Ian Clark isolating all the time and he broke the, uh, broke the assist streak. What a bum. Yeah, and they were at 37 when the, at the end of the third quarter, so if you extrapolate that out, they would have been around 50 right. if, they had, if they had gone with those guys. But, but also, at that point, the game's already settled, and, and so it, it's hard to kind of abstract it. But you're right, if it was a lot closer, then they would have played the starters and everything else like that. Yeah, I, I and there were, couple, there were a couple other weird things in this game, just because of, I mean, also, there was the emotional... Emotional hangover with it with Craig Sager, right? But one, from the work perspective, one of the meaningful differences with, with this game than any other was that Coach Kerr switched Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson's sub without any real explanation. And so what that led to was so what that means from a from a perspective is that usually Clay gets pulled with about four minutes to go in the first quarter and then comes back at the start of the second. So he plays with those Durant bench units, and that's when Curry sits. And when they switched it, that meant that they played the end of that first quarter without a nominal point guard, because Sean Livingston still came in at his normal place at the beginning of the second quarter. So they were playing with Ian Clark and Draymond basically running the offense, which I have no problem with, but was a little bit weird. It was definitely weird in terms of their usual rotation, but it didn't seem like, and maybe it's because... You know, the Knicks' defense wasn't equipped to handle it anyway, but it didn't seem like it affected their offense that much. Like, they, they still moved the ball well, I thought, during that that last stretch of the first quarter. They got good shots, and even though, you know, KD and Draymond were not hitting their shots, um, they got good looks, which is all you really want from your offense, because um, those guys are going to wind up hitting... Eventually, I mean, they didn't last night, and that, that, I think, may have been the most incredible part of the whole thing. Like, Steph, Durant, and Draymond combined were 12 for 44 from the field, and they still did this. Still shot 47% from the field and won the game going away. And one of the ways... Helped the Warriors in that weird point guardless unit was that the Knicks' three best defenders, in my opinion, you could disagree. I'd be interested if you did. Like that has been Noah, Lance Thomas, and Courtney Lee. Only one of those three was on the floor for that end of the first quarter. So even though the Knicks had an off game generally, it made it even it even exacerbated the issue. Yeah, I would. Agree that in reputation and on most nights, those guys would be probably the best defenders. Noah has had a bad defensive season, like straight up bad. Um, we, I talked about this with Brian Giberman yesterday on the podcast. Like when you can single out the specific games that Noah has been good defensively, you know that he's generally not been good, and that's you know obviously not a great sign for that signing. Um, but when you're going against a team that moves the ball like that, like you need a big guy that can cover a bunch of space and that can direct the other guys around the court. 
And um, that's his thing, you know, when he's on his game. And I didn't think that he necessarily was last night. He kind of got worked over by JaVale a couple times, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about JaVale, but that was rather ridiculous as well. Um, Courtney Lee, I thought, was really the only guy that, uh, among the starters, that showed up well. Um, Chris Stapps, there were extenuating circumstances for his poor performance, obviously, but um, everybody else, it just sort of seemed like they were, I don't want to say they were not into it, but they just did not bring what you would normally expect them to bring. I would say that's even true of the Warriors defensively, except for Draymond Green, because Draymond Green was aggrieved that Porzingis right. basically said that he he'd play better next time and that, you know, that he they felt like he had more for Draymond. And Draymond took that as a personal affront and decided to make sure Porzingis had a bad night and he succeeded. Yeah, Draymond takes pretty much everything as a personal affront, um, which I find awesome. Like, I love it. Um, that did not necessarily work out well uh, for Chris Stapps. Um, he's struggled with Draymond now all three times they've played against each other. He has struggled generally with that type of player, a big man that A, operates from the perimeter, and B, is smaller and quicker than him, and can stay in front of him defensively while also getting into his body and not allowing him clean looks when he, on the catch. Um, well, isn't, isn't there a direct parallel to Steven Jackson giving Dirk Nowitzki so much trouble yeah. during that, during these, when the Warriors upset the, the Mavs in the, we believe year. It Absolutely. Was, they're, they're similar guys. I mean, Draymond's a better defender than Steven Jackson, but it's, it's the same MO largely. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, Dirk eventually learned how to deal with that, and Chris Stapps will too. Like, people freaked out on Twitter last night when I said, like, Chris Stapps has no chance in this matchup. And, like, yeah, right now he doesn't because he's 21, and it's going to take him some time to figure out how to deal with defenders of that style, A, and one of the handful of best defenders in the league, period, B. You know, like, it's okay that he doesn't know how to do that yet, and it's okay to admit that he doesn't know how to do that yet. Like, eventually, you would think, based on, you know, his trajectory and his skill set and the way he's been able to uh, eliminate his weaknesses so far throughout his career, eventually, he'll be able to deal with that kind of thing. But right now, it's tough for him, and that's fine. Like, he's going to have some struggles on nights like this with defenders like this, obviously a little bit more so because Rose and Carmelo didn't play. But, you know, like... It's it's Draymond Green. Like it's not it's not a big deal if he doesn't have an advantage in that matchup. It's also basically impossible to get reps again, and a guy like Draymond you can, but somebody at his caliber you really can't because there aren't that many human beings that exist that really combine both his physical ability and his just intensity. So it's it's kind of like when you're fit, when back in the day when the team was facing Michael Vick in football. And they, you couldn't really have a scout team. You use like a wide receiver, but that wide receiver couldn't throw the ball like Vic could. And so Draymond is somebody you can't prep for. I know teams have had trouble with that with Steph, but we should get to JaVale. He was the biggest beneficiary of the aggressive assist seeking yes. because, except for that one assist he had to Clay Thompson, which was actually the most excited anyone on the Warriors <laughs> got about any assist. McGee is is the recipient, and one thing that was interesting to me, just because it's not it's a, a new development, meaning like for this game, 
a lot of his passes, three of his three of his eight made field goals were off lobs by Clay Thompson, who has broadly struggled with that. Yeah, he got into the paint a couple times, and because he was shooting so well, guys sort of. I don't want to say overcommitted because you can't really overcommit to a Clay Thompson jumper, but they committed too early, I guess, and left JaVale even more wide open right next to the rim. And look, if you're getting JaVale McGee scoring 17 points in 16 minutes against you, you're not going to win. Like That, that, that lets you know that your defense is completely broken down uh, for the most part, and that is basically what happened through the first two-and-a-half to three full quarters. You're right also to point out how those were fueled by Clay getting getting into the paint, and the Warriors getting dribble penetration from a lot of their different guys, most notably Curry and, and Clay, opened up so much of the offense, especially when you're insisting on assisting on every basket, because you that creates seams for JaVale. It also creates seams usually for the far corner, and... The Warriors, not only you talked about the stat with Curry, Draymond, and Durant, but just throughout the team, there were a lot of open threes that were missed in this game that could have made it even more ridiculous. Yeah, and that was, I mean, it was largely the three of them. I think combined they were four of 19 from three. If you look at it, the rest of the team was five of 13. Granted, most of that was Clay by himself. But, I mean, those guys, despite not shooting well, they all came like kind of close to triple-doubles. Like, Steph was two points and two assists away, KD was two assists away, and Draymond was five points and three assists away. Um, you know, that's really close for three guys. I don't. I would imagine nobody has ever had three guys with triple-doubles before. Um, they may have had I don't out- think so. The, the last time a team had two triple-doubles in the same game was actually the New Jersey Nets with... Vince Carter and Jason Kidd. That's, I was going to say Vince and Richard Jefferson for some reason, but uh, but Jason Kidd makes a bunch more sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to put stock in what happened beyond this is what happened, you know, simply because the Knicks were playing with, you know, a rotation that I would imagine they'll maybe never use again, um, unless Carmelo's injury is more than just, like, his shoulder hurt a little bit, and we're going to get destroyed by the Warriors anyway, so we might as well sit him down. Um, obviously, it's possible that Rose misses more time, given that he's dealing with a back issue. But it didn't seem like uh, Carme- what Carmelo was dealing with was too serious, based on the way it was reported. So, you know, you come out, you're, you're already playing this game on the road against the best team in the league, and it's going to be tough to win no matter what. And then you find out just a couple hours before the game that not only are you missing your point guard, but you're also missing, you know, the best scorer on the team. All of a sudden, everything is on Chris Stapp's shoulders, and you also have to deal with these guys defensively. It's a really bad situation to be in, and, you know, the the way things played out on the floor reflected that. Yeah, it did. And something that our two teams have in common is that they both play in, in arenas that, uh, that I think I've covered both in, in both, and maybe you have too, I'm not entirely sure. And the atmosphere is something that it's hard to, to capture really on TV. I've, I've, I love being at MSG and or I, I'm at Oracle all the time. And a way that you can try out for the first time or many one of many times is through SeatGeek. And SeatGeek is a great app because they aggregate 
all these other ticket sites together, and you can find the best deal through SeatGeek's deal score, or which combines the quality of the seat with the price. And so you can find the best possible deal for you. And there's a special thing that actually both of our podcasts can be connected with to give you a, a rebate on your first order. Yeah, that's that's 100% true. I actually have not been to Oracle yet, but I am in the process of getting tickets to a game there because I'm going to be in Oakland later in the season. And surprise, surprise, I'm using SeatGeek to get those tickets. And if people want to do that for themselves as well, we've got promo codes from the Locked On Knicks podcast and the Locked On Warriors podcast that will get you a $20 rebate off your first ticket purchase. So what you do is you go to, you download the free SeatGeek app, and then under the settings tab, there's an enter a promo code. And the promo code for me is LO Warriors. And the promo code for me is LO Nix. And then you put that in, and then when you make your first order, you'll just get a twenty dollar, you'll just get a twenty dollar rebate check at some point after that from SeatGeek. I it, I was able to do that for the first SeatGeek order that I ever made. It was was cool because you're going to something you wanted to go to in the first place, but you just get twenty dollars back. Yeah, who doesn't like getting twenty dollars back when you get tickets to you know a basketball game? That's like as good as it gets. And you can also use SeatGeek for any for any other concert or event and. For those of you who are also interested in selling tickets, maybe you're a season ticket holder sure. or something else, you can use SeatGeek to sell tickets as well. Yeah, go right there on their marketplace and you can list them. And uh, very, very easy. Do it on your phone. You can do it online. Again, you can use the promo code LONIX or LO Warriors. Once you sign up, you buy your first ticket, they'll send you 20 bucks. One of the fun things about this game, as anomalous as it was, was that there were a couple of nice performances by players that, particularly guys that didn't start. And so for the guys that were interested in me for the Knicks were Ron Baker and former Warrior Justin Holiday. Yeah, Holiday has been a good bench player for the Knicks throughout the season. Maybe their best bench player overall um, throughout the season. Kyle O'Quinn had been playing much better lately and has been probably better recently, but throughout the season, I feel like Holiday has been very solid. Uh, he wound up shooting well in this game, obviously got a, rot- a lot of run in the second half, had six steals as well, and um, if you look at their lineup combinations, he's all over their best lineup combinations uh, for the season at large, and he's a guy that I really liked when he was on you know, his, his stint with the Warriors, just in, in concept where you know he had very long arms and seemed to move his feet well defensively and had a reputation as a good shooter, but he didn't make enough of his shots to stay on the court with Golden State. Then the same thing was true with Atlanta after he signed there as a free agent, and he shot a little bit better with Chicago last year, and um, now that has sort of come full circle for the Knicks to where he's making enough shots, at least from three, to be able to stay on the court, um, not shot well, inside the arc, but you know the, the bones of the player that I thought was interesting when he was with the Warriors have definitely come out with the Knicks, which is good to see. It's been nice to see him get a real kind of opportunity, because with the Warriors, like kind of in a parallel with Ian Clark last year, where you could tell there was a good player in there, but they just didn't really have a need for it, because right. the Warriors are the Warriors. And the Knicks are giving him the opportunity to not only show what he had then, but it 
I, I'm noticing more depth from him offensively, too. Yeah, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit, which is something that was at least somewhat surprising to me. And last night he made a couple good plays uh, off the dribble, creating for other people, not just for himself, which is a, a good sign as well. He, most, most people don't know, he's actually Drew Holiday's older brother, not younger yes. brother, because he's been in the league for less time. But he's still fairly young and has a, a nice skill set, and it, it seems like he's the kind of guy who's going to stick around uh, for a while, at least based on the way he's played this year. Um, Baker, I still want to see the I want to see the Holiday brothers play together, and New York would be a great place. I've been kind of in my head. I've been shipping Drew Holiday there in free agency for the last couple months. It would make a ton of sense. It would also be the first Knicks point guard who was an above average defender since Charlie Ward. Um, which would make me pretty happy. Um, Ron Baker, um, I thought, for the second straight game, showed that he can get real minutes, I think. Um, Not necessarily as a heavy-minute guy, but you can put him on the court and he's not going to kill you at the very least, which, for a guy who's an undrafted free agent rookie, uh, is a good sign. And it's also a good sign for the Knicks because... Again, if this Rose injury lingers, they need another point guard to play behind Jennings. And you've seen these last couple games, Jennings is somewhat overwhelmed uh, as a starter, uh, at least in heavy minutes. So it would be good if they could have somebody who could lighten his load a bit. And Baker, although he's not going to shoot as well as he did last night every game, I thought he got in there and he moved the offense pretty well. And, you know, he can knock down catch and shoots from outside and he can get into the paint, um, you know, against uh, the other night. He did not finish well in the paint last night. He did. Um, not sure if that's something that's going to stick around consistently, but at the very least, being able to do that is something that replicates what Rose and Jennings bring to the team, which is their ability, you know, to drive toward the basket. It's not necessarily something we thought Baker was going to bring but it's been encouraging to see him show that over these last couple games. The great Kevin Pelton was somewhat aggrieved that on dunked on in passing, I talked about how the Knicks needed a third point guard and and basically was in that way neglecting Ron Baker. And in a game like this, he showed why I could be wrong and why, you know, I still think having Langston Galway would have been better for, for many reasons. But another guy who had a good game against the Warriors this week. But... Baker looked comfortable out there. He was able to get to the basket and finish at the basket, which is certainly impressive. That's not something everybody could do, though more guys are doing it on Steph Curry than before. And I wanted to ask you if there were any of the – because the Warriors, I mean, their starters are just so well-known. If there were any of their backups that you thought – or second-unit guys that you thought were interesting in this one. Yeah, I still very much like Ian Clark. Uh, you mentioned it about last year that he – you can see that he is a an interesting player at the very least and seems like someone who should have a role, but they just don't have a huge need for him based on the rest of their roster. Uh, I know he broke the assist streak, but he did it you know, while creating a nice look for himself, and I think four for seven. On, uh, I just brought the box score up, four for seven, knocked down his three-pointer. I think he's an interesting player. Uh, I know that people have already moved on with their, you know, Warriors bench obsession to Pat McCaw rather than Ian Clark. Um, not sure I necessarily think he's quite as interesting. That's certainly fair. And 
Warriors fans have the have the ability to love more than one bench player at a time. It goes back to when the, those kind of players were the only bright spots on the team. That's true. So there, Clark is is that type of story. I think Samus Fondiari was talking about this on Twitter during the game of like a more of like a journeyman guard that finds a place with the Warriors, and that's how that's been a story as well at various moments in their career. Also, a lot of journeyman guards started their career with the Warriors, like Reggie Williams, Anthony Morrow, guys like that. Jeremy but, Lin. Like. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, Jeremy Lin, I covered his rookie year. Yeah. But it's it's a fun team in that sense that they actually are giving a shot to some of those kind of flyer guys. And David West has had an interesting spot. He's a different kind of thing. Right. But and he also, he apparently had a pretty serious hip injury. He's getting an MRI today. Yeah, it's it's weird. Coach Kerr like was kind of trying to figure it out. And after the game, like they were the whole bench was trying to figure out why he threw that elbow at Hernan Gomez, and apparently it was because that triggered whatever happened. Yeah, Hernan Gomez has gotten into it with uh, some guys. You know, now it's uh, both David West and Dwight Howard. He has either thrown an elbow or gotten an elbow thrown from both of them. So uh, he apparently has the ability to get under people's skin. Um, Not all that surprised by that based on the way he played. Uh, He actually had a pretty decent game when he came in down the stretch, too. He's not been getting quite as many minutes lately with O'Quinn playing so well, but um, he, he hit the boards pretty hard, and he made a couple of his... Uh, he had a, a tip dunk, or not a tip dunk, a tip in at one point, and made a couple of his you know interior finishes also. It's always good for an NBA team to have three guys that can capably play center, and the Knicks probably have four because Porzingis should be playing there more than he is. And... The Warriors have a million guys on the roster, but I'm not sure they have as many that I trust to play center as the Knicks do. Yeah, I think that they have one guy that I trust to play center, and he's their starting power forward. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. I mean, you could maybe argue that against certain lineups, you could even go with Durant at center, but that's not really like a real thing, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a novelty kind of when the situation presents itself. And the Warriors are one of the few squads in the league that could theoretically roll enough wings to kind of make that work. Right. And they actually did run it a little bit. I think it was like the third week of the season. Just, I think, I think because of foul trouble or something like that. But yeah, that's, I, I certainly could see that for moments, especially considering how well KD did as a help defender in the Western Conference Finals and in the series against the Spurs. Yeah, and he's, uh, Near the top of the list of the best rim protectors in the league. I saw Dan Devine tweet out the list the other day, and it was like the top five guys were Chris Stapps, Durant, Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, and I can't remember the fifth guy, and it's really going to piss me off now. Well, I also think that there is something about guys that play more power forward probably get a little bit of boost on that list just because the sample is different. I'm not completely right. it was, sure. It was guys challenging at least four shots a game at the rim, which is a, a yeah. fairly healthy amount, but then Gobert challenges like over 11 a game. So even though a couple guys are, you know, lower percentages in terms of what opponents shoot against them at the rim, Gobert is much more valuable because he's challenging so many more shots. Yeah, exactly. And that's sort Anything. of the way the Jazz yeah. build their defense is to funnel guys and be like, go ahead, try to challenge Rudy at the rim, and it doesn't work. Which is work. something the Warriors did last year, but can't really do this year because right. Zaza Pachulia is not the same guy. And every once in a while they get into trouble because like Curry just funnels the guy to the interior, and then they go, oh crap, this isn't what it was, and then that guy scores. 
Yeah, and look, there are times where someone like Draymond can rotate over in time and it's okay. But if you're funneling a guy at Zaza and Draymond or KD are guarding the, the shooters on the perimeter, if those guys can actually shoot, all of a sudden there's no aggressive help being able to come all the way across. And that's why you've seen at times their defense be you know, particularly vulnerable to guys taking especially Steph off the dribble. Anything else in this game that stuck out to you? Uh, not particularly um, sticking out all that much. Um, you know, it, it would have been nice to see a real Kristaps Draymond matchup is sort of the thing that I came away with. You know, I, we talked about it briefly earlier, like Draymond heard that Kristaps basically said, like, I'm going to be more ready to deal with him this time and decided that he was not going to allow anything to happen I don't know if it necessarily would have gone much differently if Carmelo and or Rose were playing, but it certainly wouldn't have been so easy for, for them to train not just Draymond, but really the entire defense against Chris Dabbs. And maybe he would have been able to get uh, you know a couple more openings than he did. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon.